Up next on NHL Fantasy on Ice, reaction to all the draft weekend happenings. P.K. Subban is on the move and Nick Alberga is on the horn. What are the fantasy implications for New Jersey and Nashville? And where should Subban be on your draft boards? Plus, the lowdown on the prospects that are worth targeting in fantasy. Draft weekend is in the books. Pete, Rob, and Nick are around the corner. What's up, everybody? Pete and Rob here with you on this Monday morning talking fantasy and NHL draft weekend implications of all the top picks, all the trades. Rob Reese coming in hot on this Monday morning from Vancouver. Fresh off the plane. Good to be with you, Pete. And we are also joined by our good friend and serious XM host and Sportsnet contributor Nick Alberga. What's up, Nick? Fellas, what's going on? Uh, happy to be on with you. Um, it's up to be a pretty big week in the uh, NHL world, isn't it? Yeah, how about these moves by the Devils? Not only getting the luxury of taking Jack Hughes, top center, uh, for many years to come, with the number one pick in the draft, they get P.K. Subban, which by far and away, biggest trade of the weekend. Initial thoughts from a fantasy standpoint, Nick, on Subban going to the Devils. Oh, that's huge. Like That, that was my, you know, my biggest takeaway as soon as I saw P.K. Subban's a devil is the fantasy takeaway from the Devils in general, you know, and, and certainly as somebody who owns a variety of Devils in, you know, in keeper leagues, guys like Schneider and Blackwood, and we'll see what happens with the goaltending situation. I think across the board, you know, the acquisition of Jack Hughes, especially as a first overall, and you bring in P.K. Subban, I think has to elevate the fantasy perspective, if you can, even more for Taylor Hall in a contract year. I can't wait to see what happens there. Um, I think this is great stuff for Nico Heischer, Kyle Palmieri. Across the board, I mean, the Devils were a team that people were envisioning uh, on the retool, the refly. And now you bring in a guy of the ilk of a PK Subban coming off an off year, and I don't—I feel like they didn't give up much to make that deal happen. The, just more so the fact they're able to take all the money and, and no retention on that deal was was good enough for David Poyle, the Predators, to, to pull the trigger on that deal. So I think across the board, it's excellent news. Like the happiest man has to be John Hines right now, no? So yeah, John Hines for sure. I mean, he's probably ecstatic thinking about all these different combinations he can roster, but. We have Subban projected for 59 points next season. You going over or under? That's a good. That's a good line. Like uh, you know, if you were to ask me at the top of my head, I'm probably saying around 60. So I think you're right on there. You know, to answer your question, um, I'll go with under. Just more show. You know, and again, we're still early here in the off season, but you wonder still about the depth of uh, of New Jersey up front. Um, it, it certainly it's a lot to ask for, as we've seen in years past, for a youngster like a Jack Hughes to come in and be your one C. You wonder if Nico Heischer starts as the number one center on the on the Taylor Hall line, and you move Hughes to a two or three role. Then you got veterans uh, like a Travis Zajac, even Pavel Zach is a guy they took really high a couple of years back. So, I think um, a lot of questions in the air when it comes to John Hines in New Jersey. But um, that that's a big thing for me is that Devils power play uh, certainly became that much more formidable. Um, certainly when you have Taylor Hall and especially the bomb on the point from from PK Subban, the ability to move the puck. I think he has proven uh, throughout his career his efficiency on the power play. So from a fantasy perspective, I think that's going to be massive. So I'm going to say under to your 59 points, but I still think he's going to be a guy that's over 50 points this season. It's going to be really interesting, Nick, to see if Subban lives up to the hype because so much about P.K. Subban is about the flair, the hype, the excitement. Is this a guy that you'd be at all concerned about just because he's been traded twice in the past three years? I know you took the under there, and maybe those are some reasons why. 
Yeah, I also took the under just more so because I think you look at New Jersey, I still have, you know, I wonder about their depth scoring. Like Taylor Hall contract here, I think people have to be all over Taylor Hall this season. The guy wants to get paid, and he wants to get paid like some of the best in the NHL. So um, the only reason, again, why I did it and took the under is just more so who they have on that roster. I mean, most game plans are going to be around trying to stop Taylor Hall and to an extent Jack Hughes. I mean, he's still really, really young, so you wonder if they insulate him in the lineup. Um, they just need more perennial threats in their top six for me to go on the over when it comes to Subban. But I think, again, that power play is going to be much better. And uh, the, You know, the prospects down the road of having a Butcher and Subban pairing is exciting as well. And then slotting in a Vatnin on the, uh, in the second pairing, like Ratio did an excellent job here, I felt. I was just going to say, Nick, on, on kind of the Vatnin theme, like Jesper Bratt up front's a forward that would fill that kind of depth scoring role. And I think you're going to see that in fantasy next season with guys like Bratt, Vatnin, maybe even Will Butcher having a little bit of a higher point total, Damon Severson. Are those guys of any interest now in maybe the last rounds of a draft that you'd be like, okay, they've got Hughes, et cetera? Yeah, definitely a guy like Will Butcher is a guy I've had my eye on for a couple of years, obviously since coming into the league. I do think the pedigree is there to provide a bit more and I think certainly when, you know, potential of, ha- of being on the first power play unit on the back end with P.K. Subban to set him up for one-timers, I think it's going to help. Um, just the ability to have Taylor Hall more so in the lineup. He missed a big chunk of time this season. For a guy who can move the puck like Will Butcher, I think that's going to be a big, big addition. And, you know, to an extent, I, I would be looking at guys like Severson and Vatnin, but they're more so guys to replace when, um, like I think Vatnin's point production is going to take a bit of a dip, clearly, with Subban coming into the fold. Same goes for Severson. Like, we all know, I think that's you know, been the one thing with the Devils missing is that bona fide stud in the back end, and I truly feel like they have their guy now in Subban. I'm a bit shocked still uh, that they got P.K. Subban in the fold, but I just think it's a really good fit. You know, it's, it's in the New York market. He can continue to grow his brand, and um, I like the comments from Ray Shiro as well in terms of the personality and and what Subban brings to the table, not only from an on-ice perspective, but off of the ice as well. So I think guys like Vatnin and Severson, during the year they'll be worth flyers. I don't know if they're mainstay keepers, though. I mean, with Subban coming over to the Devils now, where do you slot him in in defenseman rankings, just the, the grand scheme of things? I mean, even if you were going to slot him in in the top 10, you're maybe taking him over guys like Tyson Barry, Tory Krug, Seth Jones, who I would say maybe are a little bit safer than Subban. Your thoughts on the defenseman landscape and where Subban fits in right now? Yeah, I, I'll be honest. Like I'm very bullish on, on PK Subban. Like I, I think he was coming off a down year. I was actually going to rank him a bit higher than most people going into the upcoming season, just because of the pedigree what he sh- he's shown throughout his career. Um, I honestly feel like he was dinged up for the you know most part of the season and played through an injury. I'm just speculating, but that's you know got a big thing to do with the, the point production. Um, I think the insulation also is another thing to add. In, in Nashville, there was an embarrassment of riches, you know, from Yossi to Ekholm. Um, to Ryan Ellis, uh, there's only one puck to go around. So I think when you look at this aspect in New Jersey, he knows he's the guy. He's firmly the guy in the back end, and I, I think everything's going to go through P.K. Subban, especially on the power play, and that's why I think he, he's going to take another step back in the right direction of being one of the best offensive defensemen in hockey. And, and again, if they can address their, their depth scoring, I'm going to like him even more. Um Certainly, I think you, the guys you mentioned, even a Tyson Berry, he's going into a contract here. I think there's always that potential of, of guys pushing up that lineup, a la Kale McCarr, um, who could push Berry um, you know, to not as much of a prominent role. I mean, it, it remains to be seen over the next couple of weeks and months. In the offseason, Berry's name has been out there on the trade market, so if that happens, 
that's why I think when you look at deals right now, um, yeah, you got to analyze them and say, hey, this is potentially what it could look like. But certainly, I think we'll probably revisit this conversation in a couple months from now and have some more clarity, right? It's still really, really early here in the offseason to sort of address that situation. Who's more valuable next year, Roman Yossi back in Nashville or PK with the Devils? I'm going to go, I'm going to go PK Subban. Um, I, I just feel like a lot of times guys who sign big tickets, and I still feel like Roman Yossi is going to get that extension at some point in time this summer. Um, it, it takes them a bit of time to slot in back to their to their ideology, and you know maybe it's just a theme that I thought of in my head, and it's actually not a thing because some players do have big years when they sign contracts. But you know, I look at a Drew Doughty in LA. That's a lot of money he got, and clearly didn't live up to expectation. It happened on Jay Kopitar. It happens to a lot of guys. So, and I think everything I just mentioned as well when it comes to Nashville and their ability to fire guy after guy who can provide offense in the back end. I think Ryan Ellis is another guy to look forward to maybe take another step this year again offensively. Echo had a great year offensively. So I'm going to stick with Subban. Again, I, I really, really like that fit. And he's happy to be there first and foremost, which I think is a positive thing for Ray Shiro. And um, certainly uh, the, the opportunity to be linked to a Taylor Hall um, all game long and the potential of those two playing together on the same ice is, is really, really scary and good news for uh, Subban and Hall owners in fantasy. I mean, certainly from a team fantasy standpoint, with the addition of Hughes, with the addition of Subban, you have to look at Taylor Hall closer to the MVP caliber player. And it begs the question, how high should he be taken in drafts? I know there are a lot of dominoes still to fall, but with this uh, infusion of talent in New Jersey, how differently do you look at Taylor Hall, who, like Subban, is a bounce back candidate from injury last year? Yeah, it's a really good point. And over the last couple of weeks, I know you guys on a daily basis are updating, you know, your your, your nineteen twenty rankings, and I think that's fantastic. And you know, I, I've started to put some rough notes together for my upcoming rankings that I believe will be releasing on Sportsnet.ca at the early point of August. And Hall's a guy. I think I think the recency bias does hurt the fantasy game just a tad, and you sort of forget. Like even as you guys know, I was really preaching Carey Price last summer. And obviously, he he showed fantasy owners his worth this past season. I think you can't forget the resume and the fact that Taylor Hall, not far removed from a hard trophy, I think he has to be back in the conversation for at least a top 20 pick. Um, I know it's tough to make that, uh, considering how much time he missed this past season due to injury, but I think you go back to the well, you factor in a variety of things, including this guy's playing for um, the big ticket in his career, and I think the sky's the limit. Then you add Subban into the fold, I would have no issue um, taking a haul, say, in my top 20 right now, just scuttlebutting. But uh, where do you guys slot him right now? I mean, I think he certainly has to be top 25 after he won the MVP two years ago, scored 90-plus points, scored 37 power play points, and that's what a lot of people were thinking about with all these power play implications. I mean, the power play one looks pretty darn good right now when you think about all those players we mentioned in addition to a Kyle Palmieri who is top five at the position in goals over the past few seasons in power play goals. Yeah, and rough estimate I'll add, too, that I'm looking at my rankings right now that I've pulled up. I actually have Taylor Hall at number 13. Um, I haven't put everything all together just yet, but I have my top 100 pretty much set at this point, of Hall, um, point in time. And I have Hall in the territory of a Vasilevsky, a Pasternak, a Marner, a dry saddle. Um, so I, I think you're, you're not being outlandish and potentially targeting, um, say, a Taylor Hall around the 15 mark. Just just because of the resume, guys, and, and everything you just you just mentioned there, Pete, with his ability to produce on the power play, produce even strength, like 
I think we do forget how incredible he was in his Hart Trophy winning season. And what about the new guys? Like, what are you thinking for Jack Hughes next season? So this is, you know, one of the debates I've had. And again, I just started this list about a week ago. Um, I, I still, so I have Jack Hughes at 79, uh, which I'm reading right now, and I have Kako at 84. But the more intel I do, um, and again, it'll, it'll depend a lot on Taylor Hall and who John Hines elects to start Taylor Hall with. Um, is it going to be a Nico Heischer who he has? clearly some familiarity with, or is it a Jack Hughes? If Hughes is playing with Taylor Hall, that's that's your guy that you're taking ahead of Kako. But I think it's always important, out, outside of the big boys from a couple years back and Lonnie and Matthews to maybe jump the gun and take these guys high, I think you have to be reasonable with your expectations uh, when it comes to the big two in this year's draft and Kako and Hughes. So to be safe around the 80 mark, I would start contemplating these guys. And, of course, that's including if it's a non-keeper league um, how do you guys feel? And, and who, on that note, I mean, who are you guys ranking higher? Is it Kako or is it Jack Hughes? I mean, I think after this Subban move, he gets the edge. I think Hughes gets the edge for me. We talked, right? We talked on SiriusXM the other day, the day of the first day of the draft, and I was leaning more towards Kako, but I think I've switched my gears here. <laughs> you can't go wrong. Like You're totally right. And again, a lot can change in the next couple of weeks. You, you can... You can bet your marbles that you know the New York Rangers will be in, involved in pretty much everything at this point in time. I like the Truba addition. That's another wild card guy. If you want to look at maybe getting a sleeper type defenseman in Jacob Truba, um, I think they'll be involved in Artemi Panarin. So we'll see how it shakes out the next uh, couple months or so. But Pete, I think you're totally right. I just think the the potential exposure alone on the power play between a Jack Hughes and a Subban and a Hall. I think has to be more more favorable, I would think, for fantasy owners, no? I've actually got Kako for more goals, but Hall for more points. Yeah. And I, I think that's probably, yeah, you, you could take right. that to the you're bank right. right now. Yeah, that's exactly the way I would slot it. Like, I think, I, I think honestly, I think Kako's a guy not many people are, are, are comprehending how good of a goal scorer and how good of a finish, finisher he is, but uh, I'm with you. Like, I think Hughes gets more points, but I think Kako is going to blow him away offensively in goals. And from the Rangers, who you mentioned, I mean, the Devils are right nearby, maybe the most improved team so far this offseason, but the Rangers are as well. I mean, you look at the Russian guys coming over, Capo Caco, Jacob Truba, uh, renewed upside for Henrik Lundqvist. What is the team fantasy pulse on this Rangers squad? Do you think they could be even more competitive than they were last season? I do, um, you know, to an extent. Uh, I do think it's fan- uh, fascinating when teams make these sort of bold moves, which you've seen from both of these organizations. Automatically, you look at the teams that made the playoffs a couple months back, and, you know, you start to wonder, so if that team makes the playoffs, who are you taking out? Now, automatically, people will say, well, look at the New York Islanders in their second half. I'm not sure if I buy that. I love the structure of Barry Trotz there. If you look at a Carolina team, maybe that's a team that comes out. But then, you conversely look at the Atlantic Division and the Florida Panthers you think would have to add to that crop that includes Toronto and Tampa Bay and Boston. So you're very limited in, in how far you can go without making the playoffs. I, I do think the Rangers I had a really, really good season. Um, I like where where they're taking this team. I feel like the Devils at this point in time are further along than the New York Rangers. Uh, remains to be seen what happens over the next couple of weeks when it comes to Chris Kreider. Sounds like his name's out there. Because advantage ad, you wonder if he can have the same numbers he put together this past season. I think I'm still waiting from a fantasy perspective uh, from Pavel Buchnevich. So I think we have to temper our expectations a bit more when it comes to the New York Rangers, especially how young they are. And um, let's be honest, I mean, they have guys who have bright futures, especially at Capo Caco, but they don't have the star power I feel the Devils have. So 
Um, I think there's a lot of intriguing game, names up and down this roster. Brady Shea on the back end. Uh, I want to see what happens now to Kevin Shattenkirk. He's been bumped out of that role for sure, and it's it's sort of ironic too that Neil Pionk, the guy who bumped Shattenkirk out of the number one power play role on the power play on the back end, was dealt subsequently in that Truba deal. But you would have to think, considering what they paid to get Truba and how much they wanted him and how much money they're about to pay him, he's going to be that guy who supersedes Shattenkirk, who they're paying, I believe, six million bucks a season. So. There's a lot of you know fascinating names on this Rangers roster. I'm probably staying away from this team more so than I would when it comes to the Devils. I'm with you, Nick. And what about best potential landing spot for Artemi Panera in the top-ranked UFA now? Yep, the bread man. And that's going to be the million-dollar question, or dare I say the $12 million-a-year question over the next week or so, is where does Artemi Panarin land? For my money, guys, it's still Florida. Uh, it was it, it's pretty incredible to me that back on Saturday I was doing a show and already the reports were saying that these him and Bobrovsky are going to show up in sunrise on on Monday morning. Like, and and also what drew my attention to was that Columbus had the ability before this market opened up officially to for people to talk. They had the ability to trade these rights, and I have a bunch of theories as you guys know. And I'm like, why in the world wasn't Duchesne's rights traded? Same for Bobrovsky and Panarin. And my theory is that, uh, you know, the expectation throughout the NHL is that Duchesne's going to be in Nashville. Bobrovsky and Panarin have already solidified where they're going. Um, I understand they're taking meetings from a variety of, uh, of teams, but the fact that those two already in Sunrise, granted, I get they live there, but they've been linked for a long, long time, so I won't be shocked when Panarin ends up uh, in Florida. And it's, at this point, it sounds like the priority is his goaltending in Florida, but I do ultimately feel like they'll make it happen and Panarin will be in Florida. How do you guys see it unfolding? I think definitely with uh, Subban going to the Devils, Nashville paves the way for Matt Duchesne to come. I, I still think, I mean, maybe maybe the Rangers could still be in play for an Artemi Panarin. I wouldn't be shocked to see that. I've kind of said that all along. I know there's a lot of other attractive spots, landing spots, but that's still the one that would intrigue me the most, the big stage of New York for Artemi Panarin, a player who deserves that stage based on his performance his first three, four seasons in the league. Yeah, and he can be that bona fide guy too, right, when it comes to the New York Rangers. Um, you know, the bright lights, I think you can't discount that. Uh, reportedly wants to be close to, wa- to water as well. I mean, think of it what you will. Hmm. Um, I think you're not wrong with that. Like, I think the Islanders would be heavy aggressive in this situation. And I think the New York Rangers as well. Those are sort of the back burner teams, in my opinion, when it comes to Panarin. But I, I just, I feel like everything, it's like a perfect storm at this point in time, even to the extent of Joel Quenville, who from all accounts, it sounds like uh, Panarin loved playing for him in Chicago. So to me, it just makes too much sense for him to be with the Florida Panthers. Ultimately, we'll find out. And I think the Rangers have some money to throw around, which is always a vast important. The same goes for the Islanders. Well, yeah, it's going to be, it's kind of like the Islanders move now because the other two teams are so much improved. They still have to sign Anders Lee, Robin Lanner, the whole bit. So we're excited to see how everything materializes in free agency. Nick, we'll talk to you again soon. And thanks so much for hopping on the show with us. Thanks, Nick. Guys, guys, it was a blast. As always, thanks so much all season long for doing this, having me on. And I'm always open to come on and talk some fantasy puck with you guys. You do an exceptional job. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure having Nick on. I think one interesting thing, Pete, that that stood out to me about what he said was that his conspiracy theory, if you will, is that all the UFAs, Florida with uh, Panarin and Bobrovsky, he said that they're predetermined. He doesn't even think they're going other places. 
I think it remains to be seen where Panarin's going to be. I mean, there are so many contending teams. You see teams like Colorado and Dallas kind of in the mix in terms of cup contention for next year with also some room to add a high-caliber player, whether it's Duchesne or Panarin. So to me, there are so many teams in the mix. He mentioned the Islanders. I mean, would you be surprised at all if Lou Lamorello made a move like this uh, to solidify his team's status among uh, the, the upper echelons? So, I mean, that's the thing. You Even when Lou's doing these closed-door meetings, you never hear about it in the media. He's tight-lipped. So, you know, and Panarin was apparently in Colorado on Sunday night meeting with the Avs. So, you know, I, I bet that's a long shot for him, a player that wants to be in a little bit more of a edgier market. But nonetheless, I, I think this is one of the best times of year just in terms of seeing where these guys are meeting. And then we look at the potential fantasy outlook for next season. It's just exciting. Yeah, I would say for Taylor Hall, like I know Nick pegged him as what a top 15 overall player. That's a little high. I mean, it's still the New Jersey Devils. If you're taking him in the top 15, you're probably taking him over guys like Mitchell Marner, Miko Rantanen, Johnny Gaudreau, Tyler Sagan, Alexander Barkov. I mean, those are really elite players year after year after year whereas Taylor Hall has had some ups and downs in his career. We expect him to bounce back with all these upgrades in New Jersey, but it's far from a sure thing. And when you think about, too, Taylor Hall's value, you've got to remind him, in, in drafts, especially if you play Yahoo, which is the standard format generally, Taylor Hall's name isn't going to be up in the top of the queue. It's going to be a little bit lower because he missed significant time with injury last season. So I don't think you're going to have to take Taylor Hall around 13. I think if he's there around 20, you're all over it. But I really think that that's the range, maybe 18 to 25, that you're looking at getting Taylor Hall. And that's really the appeal in these two players who are now going to be teammates, P.K. Subban and Taylor Hall. Get them as late as you can. Get P.K. Subban outside the top 50. Don't reach for him in the top 40 overall players. Don't reach for Taylor Hall in the top 10 overall or the top 15 overall even. Get him at 25. Get him as the first pick in the third round. That's where the value screams to me, not in reaching for these guys who who's produ- they have the upside every single year, but they don't always deliver. Yeah, and that's the thing. If, if you're playing the draft, you got to play it well. You, you can't take... Uh, Taylor Hall over a guy like Sagan who's going to lead the league in shots he's going to score close to 40 goals you just you can't do that right now if you're a smart player if you want to hit the home run the grand slam sure you can try but that's just you don't have to do that you can wait if you have a top round if you have one of the first five picks in the first round maybe on the back end of the second round you could even get a Taylor Hall and with the top two guys in the draft Capo Caco second and Jack Hughes first I mean, the same applies to them for me. If you can get those guys outside the top 100 overall, that's where I would feel comfortable grabbing those guys. I know it was a little bit different last year with Rasmus Dahlin. You probably knew he was going to go in the top 75 overall because of the defenseman position scarcity. But in terms of those two forwards... They, the further back that you get them, the more value that they could return for your fantasy team. Now, outside of Kako and Hughes... Do we think that anybody, any surprise picks from the first round of the draft are going to play in the NHL next season? I mean, I love the way that Colorado went out there and improved its defense, which is already young, already strong. Got Bowen Byram, guy that scored 26 goals in the WHL as a defenseman is ridiculous. And I think that if he gets uh, integrated into this mix next season, they could even afford to trade Tyson Barry, which is what Nick was bouncing around and has been bounced around for many years now. So that was a great pick. I was surprised going into the draft thinking that either Chicago or Colorado could kind of 
shake things the, up a little bit. A great stat about Bowen Byram. He led the WHL playoffs in scoring. The first time a defenseman has ever led the WHL in playoff scoring. So this kid can flat out play. And if you think he could come in and join Cal McCarr on their blue line, two young guys that are just going to rip it up for years to come, you're thinking in keeper leagues, you got to be all over them. For me, I'm looking at Dylan Cousins in Buffalo center. You know, Buffalo's got so many question marks surrounding their forward group, especially second and third line center. Definitely. Casey Middlestat wasn't up to the test last year. I mean, that team brought back Jeff Skinner, but I don't know how much more of play they're going to make in free agency. So integrate the young kid. They also have some other guys, right? Olafson and Nylander, Alex Nylander. So to work into the top six, we'll see. I mean, Pominville's probably gone because he's a UFA. So yeah, I really like that. Maybe even if you went with Cousins on the second line right off the bat on the line with Skinner and then had Reinhardt and Eichel together on the top line, split up your scoring, try to improve the team outlook and also bring in some fantasy implications with Cousins as well. So I think when we look at at teams that gained fantasy value after this weekend, we've definitely got New Jersey at the top of the list. We've got the Rangers pretty high up there too, but then it's a little bit gray after that. You're kind of reaching a little bit, but a team I do think did gain value is the Vancouver Canucks. They drafted strong. They also got JT Miller, which is a sleeper trade in my opinion, because after, if you listen to Coach Greenspeak, he said he's going to play with Petey, Pedersen, and Besser. That's a great spot for him. I mean, we saw early in his Tampa Bay tenure was playing with Kucherov and Stamkos. That was after he was acquired at the trade deadline. But then last year he was on power play one. He had 20 power play points, but he's playing in the bottom six for some odd reason with Tampa Bay last season. Expect him to be a fixture in the top six. And either way, whether he's with Pedersen or, or Bo Horvat, I really like that move for them. I agree. I'm, I'm high on him too. And that power play one is going to be loaded when you think Quinn Hughes, Elias Patterson, Brock Besser. They've even got Edler who could play two D-men on the point there. So that's a good little sneaky team, I think, that walked away out of Vancouver. Well, they're staying in Vancouver, obviously, but with a little bit more value. Yeah, and this uh, Vasily Podkolzin, the Russian wing from uh, you know from the KHL, he played a little bit there. He has two more years in the KHL, so that's even... But he sounds like he's going to come after those two years, which sometimes is up in the air. That's a really good long-term move. Throw him into the top six equation two years from now maybe when Vancouver is a contending team. Now we look at the flip side. I don't think we get to speak about Nashville enough with Nick on the phone. They lose their number one offensive production guy in terms of PK Subban on the blue line. What do you, what is your honest take now, Pete? How are you viewing Nashville? How are you viewing their forwards, their goalies? Where are we with them? I still think they're in the mix. I think they're still a playoff team. I kind of still like them more, than, especially if they get Duchesne and free agency. I still like them more than Winnipeg right now, who lost Truba. They're kind of going off the rails a little bit. And maybe the, one of those two teams are the ones that are going to fall out in the Central Division, you know, if some other teams improve. So I think that, yeah, with with Nashville Predators, I mean, their goaltending still rock solid for me with Pecorine, even if it comes to UC Soros. Um, I think that Roman Yossi might be more valuable than P.K. Subban. He was last year. Subban missed some time. But Roman Yossi, every single year, no matter how crowded the picture is, gets in the 55, 50, 55, 60-point range. He's so consistent. It, it's utterly ridiculous. And and I do think, though, I do think P.K. has a little bit more value just because the upside's he higher. more upside, But no I, doubt. I, I agree with you. And, and I think if you are, though, if you are in drafts and, and you see P.K.'s name right there, you see, you see Yossi's name, I think a lot more people are going to go the route of Subban now for the more excitement. But at the end of the day, if you if Yossi falls to you 
now, if, if, if people think that Nashville lost value and Yossi falls into your lap, you gotta, you gotta still be all over that pick. Yeah, that would be huge. I thought you made an interesting point in your uh, fantasy spin for PK Subban. We kind of view, we all view Nashville as the superior team on paper to New Jersey just based on how they've been competitive every single year for the Stanley Cup the past few. But the forward group in New Jersey is arguably better than Nashville's forward group right now pre-Duchesne if it even happens. It's kind of sad that it's true, right? And, and, and I think the only reason that it's true is because Kyle Turris was a guy that they got to be their second-line center, and he hasn't lived up to the bill. If Kyle Turris can have a bounce-back season, hey, it's, that might be unlikely now if they bring in Duchesne, though. Yeah, we'll have to see where Matt Duchesne lands in this crowded landscape. He's by far and away the best center on the market entering free agency July 1st. One other team that I really loved the move the second it happened was Spencer Knight being drafted by the Florida Panthers, a team that is another most improved team candidate. They have Joel Quenville for this season, and that is a guy two, three years down the road I think could be very valuable and keeper in Dynasty. I agree. I love that pick. It was a home run by the Panthers. The only thing that you have to worry about there is if they give Bobrovsky seven years, that means Spencer Knight's not seeing any ice time for a long time. But keeper leagues, if you can wait around almost you know five, ten years, get this kid in your drafts. Hey, I think if a Florida Panthers fan uh, sees Bobrovsky and Panarin come to their team, they can wait on they'll, Spencer they'll Knight just for fine. a decade maybe <laughs> if they need to. But yeah, great show. Thanks again to Nick Alberga for joining us. Subscribe to the show. We're going to be dropping episodes after free agency all summer long. We're really excited about it. And remember, you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, wherever else you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review if you've enjoyed the program thus far. And check out our other podcasts in network, the great one-on-one with Wayne Gretzky, draft class with Adam Kimmelman and Mike Morial, and NHL Executive Suite. So for Rob Reese, great to have you back from Vancouver. Pete Jensen saying so long here on NHL Fantasy on Ice. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again after free agency. 